0: Welcome to Good Revenue, where we discuss monetization, go-to-market, and revenue growth. I'm your host, Nita Bidway. We're here to discuss what we can do to influence more effectively, improve profitability, and sustainably grow revenue while delivering more value to customers over time. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to Good Revenue. Today we're joined by Willow Hill. She's the co-founder of Scout Lab. Willow has worked on countless rebrands for companies from Airbnb to Venmo to startups like Maple. She talks to us about how to build a business case for brand, about when it makes sense to rebrand, and why you need to focus on business metrics to do brand work well. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to Good Revenue. We are here today with Willow Hill. She is a co-founder and an executive with a long career in brand, and she's joining us from Scout Lab. Welcome, Willow. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Excited to dig into you know the true ROI of brand. I love it. That is exactly what I wanted to talk about because you have had such a great career and you've been involved in some really notable and high-profile rebrands like Airbnb. And so I just would love to know, maybe to start, what's been most surprising in your career so far? I would say, as it pertains to brands specifically,
1: one of the things that I've been most surprised about is so often when we're talking about brand, the thing that gets overlooked the most is internal brand. So a lot of companies go straight into thinking about their customer, thinking about how they're showing up at the market, thinking about, you know, what is their new look and feel or their new positioning. And they forget that, you know, you don't want to create something where the body rejects the kidney, right? It really needs to be kind of authentic to who you are, but also to who you want to attract. So from a kind of surprising standpoint of my career, that's been one that I would say has been maybe even more of a pleasant surprise because I've seen a lot of companies starting to move in that direction where they recognize, hey, culture is actually a part of brand and it's a really important part of brand that we can't overlook. You know That responsibility for culture doesn't just sit with the VP of people or number of different executives on the HR side, but it also sits with a brand leader to understand how are we connecting our bigger brand vision back to the way that we live, work, play within the organization. And that one's been, like I said, a a kind of a pleasant surprise, but a surprise nonetheless.
0: It's such an interesting point and a really good jumping off point for the conversation that you alluded to, which is, I think a lot of brand projects get a bad rap. And I'm sure you've seen that in your career too. And at the same time, all of the best CEOs and uh, salespeople and executives that I can think of, or just even people I have heard of, will tell you that a strong brand was crucial in their success. It made it easier to sell. People would take meetings with you, like some of these tactical things. So I would love to know just another you know, big questions only here how do you recommend that a company get started if they really want to build a brand and the related question to that is there is a lot of fluff that I think sometimes as brand you know aficionados or marketers like we can get distracted I think sometimes by shiny objects so how do you help people think about what they don't need cutting out the fluff etc
1: yeah so I would start with even just defining brand in itself which I think in alone can be a little challenging so much of the time. What we see is the kind of outward externalization of something. So when we think about what a brand is, it's ultimately the culmination of your consistency, how you show up, how you act. It's not just what your logo looks like or how your color palette shows up on your website, right? And that's, I think, a big gap in a lot of understanding around what brand is and how it actually operates. So we, when we start from this point of our brand is our reputation, our brand is what people say about us when we're not in the room, then we can start to see that investing in that reputation and investing in the way that consumers, the larger community thinks about our brand is ultimately an extremely valuable thing. Uh, with that said, it can also be really challenging, right? To, how do you measure? There's like always big questions around this. One of the reasons I started Scout Lab, the creative agency that I have now, early on was this problem exactly, so often you'll find that executives don't feel like brand is very clear, like where does it begin and where does it end, right? It can be so ephemeral. So much of the time, what I like to recommend is to really put more guardrails around the types of initiatives that are happening underneath the brand umbrella so that you can actually start to break down what are the initiatives driving towards this kind of larger goal? How are you going to measure those? What does that look like? So that it's really almost product productized in a way. And then beyond that, making sure that you're building a brand that is a little bit more integrated with the larger organization. So often it just sits in marketing. That can be really problematic because what you ultimately end up with is a marketing team that's saying one thing that has this definition of what on brand is. And then you have all of these other channels, whether it's customer service or your comms team that doesn't have the same kind of core message at the heart of what they're doing. Um, And I've seen this many times. I've definitely seen it uh, happen within A split between like paid advertising, as an example, and brand, right? Having those really split out and not living and laddering up to the same kind of ethos can be a problem. So once you start to reframe how you actually approach the entire idea of brand as an organization and understand that it needs to live within each of these kind of different segments of what you do, then you can really start to like dig in and measure.
0: So what makes for an effective rebrand versus what might sidetrack a project in your view, whether it's internal or it's a client?
1: So I found that the yeah, from both sides, there needs to be a clear champion. I think ultimately with any project, especially one that's going to touch so many different parts of the organization, you want to get buy-in on a lot of different levels, especially for larger organizations. With that said, where a lot of companies will go wrong is they don't have one major decision maker and steward. And so if that kind of zone of genius isn't sitting with a specific, and sometimes it's a kind of cohort, maybe it's like a specific group of people, but if that decision-making process isn't decided on at the outset, often it can get a little tough, right? Because ultimately there are some decisions that can't be measured. Some of the decisions that you come up against are more intuitive or creative naturally. And so- it's important to understand from the beginning, in order to be successful, who's going to be de- making decisions, what are those tiebreakers going to look like, kind of getting on the same page about the how we make decisions is really key. And then beyond that, what I find to be really important and part of our practice at Scout Lab is we define the customer in advance. That sounds so obvious, and most companies already know who their customer are. But so often, especially when you're going into kind of a rebrand scenario, there's a still a big question mark around product market fit potentially, or you're expanding into a new category. So, at the end of the day, you don't want to get into you know this question of does not like green and does willow like yellow. We want to understand, know who does the ultimate you know listener of, listener of this podcast, and what what is it that's going to resonate with them and why. And that's the perspective that we want to take if we're going to have something that is ultimately successful. And when I say
0: successful, I mean, it's going to resonate with our end customer. So that's interesting. How do you think about uh, branding then versus a rebrand? Because it sounds like there's a little bit of a distinction there. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I think of them as different phases, right?
1: So a rebrand is a clear point in time when a business is at an inflection point. And there's usually a number of different reasons why they would um, jump into a rebrand. One is staying relevant, right? Maybe um, the consumer base is evolving and they need to evolve with that. We see that all the time, specifically companies that need to be able to connect to the next generation of customer. We see companies that need to be able to differentiate amongst their competitors, that's maybe like the next one, or just generally they need to increase their kind of market share. Right? and they will really want to put a stake in the ground. So depending on what their goals are, that will really define what stage they're at and whether or not doing a rebrand is right for them. Often we'll find that companies that have just raised, you know, a certain round of funding, they have product market fit and so they say, okay, we're ready. It's time to actually invest in this body of work because we know that our product isn't going to change tomorrow and we're going to we're ready for this long-term investment. Once you're done with that, that's when the branding work begins, right? So once you actually put your new brand out there, um, you very much need to do the body of work behind that to make sure that it gets seen and heard. It's, it's so common that brands will think, oh, I, I rebranded it now, you know, but it didn't work. But in reality, the old adage, if, if you build it, they will come doesn't apply to marketing. We, we know that, right? So ultimately you create uh, what you're putting into the market. And then you do the all of the brand work, if you will, behind that. So that can be campaigns, that can be um, communications plans, advertising, right? All these are just tools within the marketing tool belt, sales, right?
0: Within the, this idea of like, how are we going to get our rebrand out into the world? There's two questions I have that are tied to this. One of them is, how do you help companies actually build that business case about why they need a rebrand? Because I I completely agree with you. The evolution of goals and trying to, you know, trying to execute against a new strategy makes a ton of sense. But then the related question is, how do you think those companies should actually measure the success, hopeful success of the rebrand? So I guess two-part question.
1: One is, when do we decide to do it? And the second is, how do we know it worked, right? Yeah, and maybe even a third is like, what's the business case for it? What's the business case? So and I, I kind of want to go back to the initial list I gave you around this idea of differentiating. Often what we find is in a sea of sameness, how do you stand apart? And for so many companies, if their brand positioning, which is very much a part of a rebrand, right? It's not just about your visual look and feel. If you're not clearly differentiated within your category, that's a really good business case because ultimately what you're looking at is how can we increase our market share at the end of the day? And how can we resonate more deeply with the consumer set that we're competing for against all of these other said companies? So, within that, I feel like if we're thinking just kind of putting our CFO hat on and really looking through that lens, we want to make sure that we're kind of tying that back to, okay, ultimately we want to grow in XYZ areas. But in order to do that, we need to be the better decision for our customer to make. But often we're not actually communicating why that is. And so, so often when we're thinking about what is the ultimate reason for a rebrand, it's just that.
0: It's that you need to differentiate and you need to tell your story in order for customers to even care. I think it's really important. So then what are some of the success metrics that you would recommend to a client or to companies? So with something like a rebrand, there it, rebrands
1: are, are more long-term. I'd say that's the first thing. And it, one of the pieces that I think can be more challenging, there's always things around sediment lift. So once you've rebranded, you are able to do kind of more heavy research projects around Whether or not what you put out into market is resonating, specifically if you have a community that already exists, that's a really great one, right? So does our new brand identity and the way that we're showing up now really resonate with you? That's research you can do. Beyond that, thinking through brand campaigns and the way you're actually getting out into the market, that's when you're able to actually do brand lift studies and in-flight studies. So when you're looking at, you've got a campaign running that is being targeted specifically at putting the message behind the rebrand out in the world, right? So at Airbnb, as an example, after we moved into trying to own this territory of the idea of Belong Anywhere, we then created campaigns in our global markets of what is our go-to market for this plan, right? It wasn't just, oh, we have a new logo. It was, how do we make sure that this logo has an association and that association is the idea of Belong Anywhere, um, and so campaigns that come along with that are also measured through things like brand lift studies, which can give us an idea of whether or not the concept is resonating, the creative is resonating, and if it's ultimately doing what it's supposed to do, which is enhancing that brand loyalty that we know and love.
0: Yeah, it's so interesting. I think a lot of companies sometimes forget brand cohesion and salience, and maybe because we're so excited about you know the work internally, but you really do need to connect it back at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, there's opportunity to, I think a lot of brands skip that part, specifically if they're a little earlier or you know more nascent brands, and they'll be quick to think that something didn't work when in reality, it really does take a long time on average. I know you and I were geeking out on this uh, in a previous conversation. It takes around seven times for someone to see your brand and experience it in order for them to even recall it. So just thinking about that decision-making curve and how important consistency is is really key because often when we're talking about something like a rebrand or a brand campaign, whatever that might be, what we're really talking about is are you showing up consistently? Is your brand the same when I experience it on social media to when I talk to a customer service rep to when I saw it on a billboard? Am I going to understand what you stand for? And so often the answer to that is ultimately no, because if there's not a cohesive guiding document, right, to let us know which direction we should go then that's just a harder question for internally folks to answer when they're trying to do good work on behalf of the brand.
0: Well, I'd love to hear some more examples. I know you've done so many interesting projects. Are there um, one or two examples that you could take us through about kind of what that that process was like and why they were successful? Yeah, definitely. So uh, maybe I'll start
1: with one that's a little bit more Unique, I would say. Um, there's a company called Maple, growmaple.com. It's a parenting app that um, is really truly transforming the way that we think about delegation and really helping the busy family, the iOS system for the family, if you will. What was really unique about them is their founder has a very, very strong brand perspective and has from day one. So we were actually working on building this brand at the same time as they were building the product. And that is very, very rare. I will normally even recommend against it because it's so important to have product market fit. But because this specific founder saw brand, the brand presence as so pivotal to the success of the product, ultimately, we were able to work alongside their product team and help make those decisions from a value-driven place and from a mission-driven place around the product from day one which i think is really unique and not something that we often see and that's an example of something i would say i would consider a success because we've seen immense growth within that brand brands that are a little bit more mature we've seen a lot of other interesting case studies if you will One that I think is fun is Adidas. So we actually worked with them on more internal brand work, looking at how does their employee journey and the way that their employees experience their culture actually match up to the externalization of their brand, right? So not exactly a full rebrand, but a project within the brand futures team that focuses in on how are we making sure that we are keeping up with everything that's happening externally with our brand. Um, so it's important to remember that some of the largest brands in the world are still reinvesting in making sure that they are up to date. And I think a lot of brands that are maybe newer or at different stages forget that it's an ongoing thing where you don't just gain market share and then set it and forget it. Brand is an ongoing thing. So even though some of the largest, most successful brands in the world are specifically constantly looking at how are they going to make sure that they're still top of mind and then make sure that they're relevant internally so that the people that are behind the brand really see themselves in it and that they can do the best work every day. So I'll come back to Airbnb. I think it's a really just generally good example of a community-driven brand that has done a really good job. One of the things that I think was really unique about the way that we launched Airbnb's rebrand was we launched it first to the community. And a lot of people don't know that. Um, and it's a just kind of a different approach because ultimately we wanted to make sure that it was a brand that was built buy-in for the community first and foremost. So there was a lot of thought and consideration put into the way that we didn't just go to market, but went internally first, right? How do we make sure that the people who ultimately are running the product, right? The hosts and the, uh, the guests, how do they make sure that they feel like they are a part of what we are creating. So that was a different, interesting learning from that brand specifically that I think a lot of people don't know, but a little tidbit from the inside that I think is definitely something that I still recommend today when I work on community
0: driven brands is
1: launching first to your community and then to the rest of the world.
0: I think that makes a lot of sense. And is that a process that you would recommend uh, for platforms in general, whether they're like B2B or B2C? Because I could see a world in which even in a B2B brand, if you have developers or some other stakeholder that like really that collaborating with them, I could see that really being to your advantage as the company.
1: Yeah, I prefer it. I So my perspective is always that you never want to do surprise by design, right? You don't want to show up to your house and find out there's all new furniture, right? It's nice to be in the know. I think so often when we're talking about something like a platform or a community-driven brand, the people that make up the brand, so whether that's buyers, sellers, suppliers, what have you, they ultimately are the stewards of the brand. And so the way that they show up, the way that they participate is likely more important (laughs) than anything else. So making sure that they're a part of those uh, first moments and then they can help evangelize moving forward is really key um and then I'll maybe step back a little bit first as well and say before you even get to that point it's good if you're if you are a platform um, or a marketplace to involve folks that are from that as well in your research from phase 1 so when you're actually looking at defining your personas you know having conversations making sure that what you're creating is
0: actually resonating with the people that work in and on the brand every day yeah, I think that research and insights work is so critical. We see that in in everything we do too. And it's, if anything, there's a little bit of an underinvestment. I always feel like I'm encouraging people to do more because the um, the payoff is so significant of like doing that work. It really is,
1: and and that can be one that I think is a little tougher too for a lot of companies to slow down and say, okay, we're actually going to do the research before we run straight into you know the fun bits like the design and the words. But ultimately, if you don't take the time to know who you're speaking to, then you'll never know if the words you're speaking are, are even resonating or if they're correct, right? We have to really hone in on who we're for before we start to go create for them.
0: Yeah. I think that cornerstone concept of value, it comes up all the time, but like you really need to know what's important to your audience, whether it's a stakeholder, a buyer, decision maker, whoever. Absolutely. And this is what organizations like yours are
1: so good at, right? It's narrowing in on... What does that value look like? And when you're thinking through the brand lens, any type of brand that's done really well, that kind of has that cohesive document can assist in that process, right? It's a tool in the tool belt to say, okay, what does value look like to our customers? And how can we make sure that we're communicating in a way that actually is differentiated from everything else that they're seeing?
0: I love that. Maybe like a related question too, is when you're doing brand work, how does your thinking change if it is a um, late stage scaling company or maybe even you know pre-IPO, post-IPO, like just the formative stages versus a more established company? Because both obviously are going through rebrands for different reasons. Do you approach those kinds of projects in different ways? Absolutely, because larger companies will likely also have a lot more stakeholders. And so sure. too, the process
1: will be a little different. I would say that generally understanding the goals of why we're rebranding in the first place is key, as well as having clear alignment around the brief. So the brief, just quickly, is the portion of the process where we come together and say, what is our intention? Why are we doing this? What is it that we need to either expand into or move away from, often with a larger, more established company they're moving into a new category or they're expanding into, like I said, maybe a new consumer set, maybe some of their core customer set has aged out and they're looking at new, like, how do we speak to a new generation? We see that happen a lot. And in those cases, it's really important to be delicate about the culture that already exists and making sure that you're really thinking through how do you create something that will Actually, adapt to the internal culture that already exists. So that's really important. Um, You don't want to kind of push too far away against what already exists because then it might not actually take, which I think is really key. When it's a younger company and it's something that's maybe a bit newer, um, there's a little bit more appetite for risk, I usually find, but there's also a little bit more possibility thinking around the flexibility or the space to be able to move into something new when they're not quite so set in their way. So if they haven't had the same values set for you know 50 years, then it's a little easier to come into a room and kind of adapt into what the next phase of values is going to look like than if it's something that's uh, more legacy.
0: We didn't talk about this one in advance, but I'm thinking about it as you're speaking. And that is, if you've got an established company that wants to take more risk how do you help them think through it? And one of the examples, I don't know that this, I don't think this is someone you necessarily worked with, but I was always really impressed by T-Mobile because I felt like they went from like stayed telecom to like, you know, fun, engaging wireless company, which is not normally how you think of your telecoms. You know, I, so I thought they did a very good job just as a you know consumer looking at that. Um, but if somebody, if you've got an established brand that is willing to take the risk, I assume you'd be up for that challenge. Like, how might you think about that? Yeah. So
1: an established brand that's up for the challenge, I would say it's it's important to have that internal vision and leadership that is championing the way because so often I think rebrands can get side railed like we discussed Right. if there's not alignment as to why is this happening and what is the decision-making process going to look like? So that's really key. The other is that sometimes shifting the brand perception doesn't actually require a full rebrand. Sometimes that can be done within the existing brand by shifting some of the positioning, some of the pillars, and then the way that you show up in market. So a good example of this, uh, we worked with Venmo to really look at how do we refresh their social presence. So how do we make sure that their social presence is actually reflecting one, kind of the, their next generation of consumer? How are they speaking to Gen Z? But also how are they meeting the kind of updated vision for their brand? And I think that's another thing to consider, right? Is is it actually a full rebrand that you need? Or is it is it a campaign that shifts the perception of what you already have? Because that's also, I think, a great option that brands sometimes overlook.
0: I think that's a really great point. What do you wish that CEOs and founders or even boards knew about what it takes to do a rebrand well? Um, I think
1: I I wish they knew that the long term impact is what you're ultimately after, right? I think too often we live in a world that is quarter to quarter. <laughs> so also all often, um We're preaching so we, to the choir here. I could not agree more. You, you are the choir, exactly. But ultimately, if you want, you know, that hundred billion dollar market cap. Then it's a long-term game, and it is something that does require investment, but that it ultimately ultimately does pay off. And there are tools that you can actually measure with. Who knew? Um, and so many people forget that those tools are at their disposal within kind of starting to understand what is the, their kind of brand resonance in the market. What is that affinity and association? All of that are is completely possible to measure and often overlooked, but ultimately your brand is going to show up for you when things are the hardest. So often brand almost seems like it's invisible when it's going well. But when things get really tough, that's when I think the strength of your community and how much they actually resonate with your brand will come into
0: play. It's such a good point. This has been really wonderful. Just one last question. What do you think that high performance brands do differently from kind of the run of the mill brand?
1: Oh, I've got... Am I allowed to have three answers? <laughs> you can have as many answers as you like. We will so take all your wisdom. So first, consistency, right? So when we talk about what's the point of the rebrand, why does someone do it? It's so that you can have a single source of truth in making sure that your brand is consistent across the board. So coming back to that stat, every time someone sees and experiences your brand, it needs to be consistent. Um, so without that, it's really tough. and ultimately, I don't believe you can build a strong brand without it. So that's, I would say, just number one. The second one is to prioritize the customer experience and the customer at the end of the day. And a strong brand does that and takes that into consideration with every action, right? That's played out through values, that's played out through a brand personality, that's the way that we speak to our communities or listen to our communities, right? All of that is very much a part of brand. And then finally, I think, Really strong brands do internal brand really well. So they're actually thinking about their employees as constituents of the brand, of the people who are going to ultimately steward it long term. And they're treating them in the same way that they would their customers um, to make sure that that is also a really well running engine of folks that can be advocates for the brand in the long term.
0: This is so great. Thank you so much for joining us and giving us so much of your time. Yeah, this was so fun. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us here at Good Revenue. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review, follow the show, or share it with a friend. We're a news show, so it really helps other listeners find us. And if you have feedback, comments, or suggestions for episodes or guests, please reach out to us. You can find our information in the show notes. This show was produced with the help of RPS Audio, experts in sound and podcast production.